This week, God's plan revealed. But first, what did we study last week? <clears throat> well, it was count your many blessings, right? And we found out about God's kindness, his grace, his wisdom, his understanding. And all of this is available to us. All we have to do is ask. But we must ask with a pure heart and a pure motive. Uh, a heart that's truly desiring of these things, not a heart that kind of has one foot in the world and another foot trying to, to keep that in heaven. You see, God is a jealous God, and he, he knows our heart, and he knows our intent. And then this week, it's God's mysterious plan revealed to us. So what does that mean? Well, let's pray, and we'll dive into God's word. So Heavenly Father, we are so excited that you had this plan from the beginning of time, and it's an amazing plan, God. And I would ask at each one of the ladies that are here that they would truly understand what your word is telling us, what your word is telling her, that she would be able to apply these truths to her life. And so bless this time, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 14. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. And verse 9 says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. So what does mysterious plan mean? I mean, are we talking about like a, a, a mystery novel where you don't find out who did it until the end of the book? No, God had a plan from the very beginning, and it was there if we were looking for it. According to Vine's Bible Dictionary, listen to this, mystery, so the word actually used here is mystery being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension can, only be, can be made only by divine revelation and is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God and to those only who are illuminated by his spirit. Okay, in regular English, okay, <laughs> you're probably going, what in the world did that mean? Regular English. In other words, it is something that only God knows and he will reveal his plan to us when the time is right. That's basically all that is saying. And in this case, the plan has to do with salvation, not only of the Jewish people, but all of mankind. So let's get the background story here. Have you ever wondered why the Jewish people would not receive Jesus as their Messiah? Because they were looking for something different. And the Jews were now in captivity. Uh, throughout their whole history, they were always in captivity. Why? Because they were always disobedient. So God would kind of have to spank them. And then they would say, oh, we're so sorry, Lord. We won't ever do it again. And they turn around and do it again. And so this is one of those times. And they are now in uh, being controlled by the Romans, and they are hoping in the Messiah. In fact, there's a wonderful prophecy. It's found in Micah 5, 2 through 4. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Who are we talking about here? Who was born in Bethlehem? Jesus. 
Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their land and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be mighty, honored around the world. This is what they were focused on. So when Jesus comes, they, they didn't look for a, a humble carpenter. They wanted a conquering king, a king that would take on the Roman Empire, a mighty warrior, a king that would free them from all their bondage. So what is this mystery? Well, it's a mystery that they completely missed what God was trying to say to them from the very begin, beginning. Did he save them? Yes, but it wasn't in the way they thought. He saved their souls. So what was this wonderful plan? Well, sin came into the world, right? And a sacrifice had to be made for the remission of those sins. And what they failed to understand, what the Jewish people failed to understand, is that this king would make himself the sacrifice for their sins. Therefore, freeing them from forever from bondage. And the reason why many could not receive Jesus as their Messiah is because he did not fit their narrative. They didn't study all the prophecies. They kind of overlooked some of them. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. We're talking about Psalm, excuse me, Palm Sunday here. Isn't that what Jesus did when he came into Jerusalem? Okay, they're probably thinking, okay, this isn't quite what we were thinking. He'd be riding a donkey. You know, he was supposed to be charging into Jerusalem with a sword on a white horse and, and slaying all the Romans. That's not what he did, was it? So God now has revealed his whole plan to mankind. And that is that Jesus would come very humbly into this world. He would live among us, he would teach us, he would die for us, and he would raise from the dead after three days. So what is the purpose of the plan? Well, verse 9 goes on to, to say, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. Now, at first glance, you're probably thinking, good pleasure, what's so good about Jesus dying on the cross? That was horrible. But this was God's plan of salvation. God sending his own son to die for us was the plan all along. He made it possible for us to live with him forever through that sacrifice. That is how much God loves us. The pleasure he is speaking of here is the pleasure God takes in spending eternity with you and I. Isn't that amazing? That's true love. Ephesians verse 10 goes on to say, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. So what does this mean, everything under authority of Christ? Well, in other words, he gets to call all the shots. And everything must be at the exact right time. And God's timing is perfect, isn't it? And Jesus dying on the cross was God's perfect plan and timing. And because of what Jesus did for us, 
We have all been brought together as one. I love that. Under Jesus Christ as our new king, our new ruler. And that includes everyone and everything in heaven and on earth. Verse 11 goes on to say, furthermore, if that wasn't enough, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Of course, we're not talking about earthly treasures, are we? We're always talking about heavenly treasures. But see, we are all united in this inheritance. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, slave or free, male or female, we're all children of God. We're all equal, and we all share in the inheritance. And that would be living with Jesus in heaven and all the splendor that he is going to pour out on his children when that time comes. Then 11 goes on to say, for he chose us in advance. We talked briefly about this last week, that we're all chosen to be his. We are all his design from the very beginning of time. And while we were still in our mother's womb, he knew us. He knit us together. That's what the Psalms tell us. But it's up to us whether or not we want to receive his salvation and choose him. Then verse 11 goes on to say, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. See, we can plan all day long, but our plans cannot compare to his perfect plan. Isaiah 55, 9 tells us, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways, so are my ways higher than your ways. That's pretty plain. And my thoughts than your thoughts. So in other words, don't even think about your plans over what God has planned for us because his plans are perfect. And it says why in this verse? Because he never does anything wrong. He is righteous in all his ways. Verse 12 goes on to say, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. So God offered salvation to the Jews first, his chosen people to represent him on earth. And the whole purpose of being chosen in this manner was to show God to the rest of the world, to all the Gentiles. But the Jews kind of got that wrong. They thought they were chosen to be, you know, like, because they were cool. They were the best of the best. But they were actually just a representation of all of mankind. That's what's so fascinating. When you read the Old Testament, even though it might be boring at times, there are so many truths in there. It's about how the, the Jewish people would, they would be praising God one moment and then they were uh, praising other gods the second, second later. You see, that's kind of what we do, don't we? And so they're kind of a representation, but God kept showing mercy upon the Jewish people. Likewise, God shows mercy upon us. Then 13, and now you Gentiles has, have also heard the truth the good news that God saves you. Now, the gospel simply is the good news. The good news is the gospel. That's what gospel means. So what truth is being spoken of here? 
It's the only thing that can save us, and it is a free gift given to us by grace. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. It's always through grace, through faith. And then 13 goes on to say, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So another word for identified in the original language would be sealed. Some versions actually say sealed. So we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But what does this mean? It's like we've been stamped by God, spiritually speaking. So what significance does this being stamped mean? Well, it was customary among all nations when a person purchased goods of any kind to mark his seal on that which he had bought in order that he may find it later should uh, it, things kind of get mixed up. You know, like you're, you, it's, I guess I would liken it to your shopping and you want to put your name on an item and you say, can you hold this while I continue shopping? I think we've all done that, right? And they go, oh, what's your name? I'll go, oh, my name is Connie. So she'll write Connie on that on a post-it note or something like that. Very similar. Or like an artist who has finished a beautiful painting. They sign their signature at the bottom so that everybody knows the painter painted this, and that is their seal. So when Jesus purchased us with his blood on the cross, we, and we received him as our Lord and Savior, we received that seal. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We now know that we belong to God, and the enemy knows that we now belong to God, and he cannot touch us, nor can anyone snatch us from his hand. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. So what is that inheritance? Well, salvation is one. Being with Jesus forever in heaven is another I think that's probably enough, right? That's pretty wondrous. I kind of think of heaven as, as the vacation in Hawaii that never ends. It'll just be beautiful and relaxing. And, you know, there will always be gorgeous flowers and everything. That's how I kind of picture it. And we get to do that forever. I mean, your picture of heaven is probably different. But I'm, I do know that no matter how much we imagine what it's going to be like, we will never imagine good enough. It'll be so far what we can ever imagine. And that's our inheritance. That's what we will receive. Verse 14 goes on to say, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. So let's break this down just a little bit. God designed us from the very beginning. He wanted us to be with him forever because he loves us. Mankind blew it. That's the short version. God made a way for us to be saved. He purchased us from a life of sin, gave us salvation and heaven. And he did all of this so that we could praise and glorify him with our lives. And it's pretty easy to do when we have been given all this. And the purpose is so that we can show others the love of God. When people see us, when they see us going through struggles like they're going through, and yet 
we still have that peace that passes all understanding. They want to know. When speaking of living in this world and keeping a godly attitude, Peter said this. He says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. So if he is Lord of your life, it will show. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. So when we are living out our Christian faith, we do look different. And it is an act of worship that we show people this. And so Peter is telling us to be prepared to give honor where honor is due. We don't do this on our own accord, can we? I mean, nobody can. It is Jesus that does this through us. And so it's important that when people say, what is so different about you, that you have an answer for them. And so sometimes, you know, we can figure this out ahead of time. It doesn't have to be a long explanation. You don't have to be a Greg Laurie or a Billy Graham or any other kind of evangelist. You don't even have to have the gift of evangelism. You could just tell people, like, I once was this, but now because of Jesus, I have been redeemed. I have peace. I have hope in my life. I have purpose. It's just a kind of a quick testimony. Does it sometimes feel a little weird when you have to do that? Sometimes. Do you get nervous? Yes. Does it get easier the more you explain it? It does. Everything gets easier. It'll become natural for you, but you've got to take that first step, and you'll be so blessed by it. Regardless, your Heavenly Father will always be proud of you. So, how can we apply this week's passage to our lives? Well, we have two major points that I saw. Number one, that God has a plan for us. He has a purpose. Second, the Holy Spirit is there to guide and direct, direct us. So let's look at God's plan for us first. What do we know? Well, my, always my go-to verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. I have it on my walls at home. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So let's break this down a little bit. God thinks about us. He thinks about me and you. What does he think? Peace, not evil. He wants you to have peace in your lives. In other words, God thinks good things about us. And what purpose is that? to give us a future and a hope. Hope is so important in the life of believer and unbelievers. They need hope too. We are that hope. They're watching us very, very closely. When the, as soon as they find out you're a believer, they watch you very closely. They want to know how you react in different circumstances. That's why we always have to go with our armor on, ready to, to, in a sense, do battle for the Lord and bring honor and glory to him. So although our hope looks very different from the world's hope, we all need hope. And our hope in, is in Jesus and him alone and that we will spend eternity with him. I mean, that's glorious hope. The world's hope is a little bit different. They hope in money, pleasure, things, houses, cars, vacations. You know, I hope to go to Hawaii next summer because I love Hawaii, you know, in case you haven't noticed that. But, you know, we can't put our hope in anything else. 
There's an amazing song that was written about hope by a fellow named uh, Edward Mote. I love his last name, Mote, M-O-T-E. He was born in 1797 to parents who were pub owners. He never had any religious training whatsoever, and he lived a typical life of his upbringing. He was in the world. In fact, he didn't even know there was such thing as a God until he was 18. He received Christ and was baptized, but he worked as a carpenter for most of his life. He didn't enter the ministry until he was in his 50s. He became a pastor, evangelist, and songwriter. He wrote an amazing hymn sung even today in many churches, no doubt based on his early adult life. And he says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We've all heard this, haven't we? I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And then I love the last verse. He says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. By his words, he's saying, I put my hope in Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else. He knew where his hope came from. And he wanted the world to know that. And that was in Jesus' sacrifice, the blood he shared for each one of us. So one of God's plans is hope, which simply means a confident expectation. You know it's going to happen. It's not like, I hope I make it home today. See, that's not based on anything real, is it? But hope in heaven, hope in salvation, that's based on a promise. And God is backing that promise. It will happen. What other plans does God have for us? A future. I love that. In other words... We have a purpose. So what is our purpose? Well, Paul writing to Timothy said, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Again, so what is our purpose? Well, let's look at the list we have here. Not to be ashamed of the Lord and share in the sufferings for the gospel. Now, you might be saying, okay, that's going too far. I don't like to suffer. Well, at the time, to put this in perspective, Paul was languishing in a Roman prison and they are known for their cruelty and he had been there for two years and this was written to Timothy for the second it was his second letter which was the very last writing of Paul he would be executed shortly thereafter so I think he kind of knew what suffering was all about So I think we can put up with people kind of looking at us weird or snickering behind our backs, right, for the gospel. I think we can do that. 
We're also call, called to holy living. Holy simply means set apart. In other words, we shouldn't be looking like the rest of the world. And then, according to his purpose, not our own purposes, but God's purpose, because his purposes are perfect. God calls all the shots. Why? Because he is so much better at it. Also, our purpose was established long before we were born. When we were created in God's mind, he knew exactly how he wanted to create you, what he wanted you to look like, think like, act like. He goes, this is how I want to make you. And you have a glorious purpose. And God knew what he was doing when he created each one of us. So trust the process. Because God is perfect in all of his ways. He doesn't leave, it, leave us to figure all of this out on our own. All right, second lesson we can learn this week is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So other than being our seal, that we are the children of God, the Holy Spirit has many functions. We'll just cover a few of them here. Number one, he reminds us. I like that. I need lots of reminders. I have post-it notes. I have a full calendar on my phone. Like uh, uh, the, the ladies were laughing earlier at me because if I need to go pick somebody up, I'm so afraid I'm going to forget to pick them up on the way to Bible study that I put post-it notes in my car so that I can't even sit down and hold my steering wheel without seeing it and going, oh, pick up so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. Otherwise, I forget. Well, hey, the Holy Spirit reminds us. John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So not only will he teach us everything, he will remind us what he's taught us. It doesn't get any better than that. That would be like a school teacher teaching you a subject, and then as you're taking the test, kind of be looking over your shoulder and say, now you remember that, and showing us the answer. Oh, yeah, now I remember. It's kind of like that. I know it kind of seems like it's cheating, but it's not because God says to do it. He says, trust me. I will teach you, and I will give you reminders of those teachings. Also, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us when we're weak. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Many times we don't know what to pray. You have probably been there. When you are so grieved or so upset or so mad that you have no idea how to pray, I know for me, I'll just say, here it is, Lord, and I feel like I'm just throwing all this garbage at his feet, and he's going, hmm, you know, I can fix this. But you see, that's what I feel like I'm doing sometimes when I'm praying. I don't know how to put it into words. I don't. But the Holy Spirit does. He goes, I know exactly what she wants. 
and he prays for us. Isn't that amazing? But the Holy Spirit also helps us in our everyday struggles, anytime we are weak. And lastly, I will leave you with this verse, to me, which sums this all up very nicely. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It's a little long, but it's such great stuff. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. They're talking about in heaven. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us to to uh, develop endurance. I kind of look at that as training. You know, if you train downhill all the time, is that truly training when you're trying to run a race? No. What's the best time to, to where, place to run? Uphill. Then you'll become stronger and stronger, right? It's kind of the same thing. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we now know God, dear, how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He fills our hearts with love. That's how we love others. It is the Holy Spirit pouring that love into us so much that it overflows into other people. Isn't that amazing? All we have to do is open up and let the Holy Spirit do that. We can't do that if we're holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness, can we? Open up, let the Holy Spirit pour the love into you and see what happens to the people around you you'll find that they probably like you a little bit more. And we will never run out if we let him do that. So let's look at the treasures that we get to put in our treasure chest. Well, we have been united with other believers. It doesn't matter the background. We are all sisters. Isn't that great? We are all like, we're all family and we get to spend eternity with each other. I love that. We have received an inheritance as God's children and that is eternal life in heaven with Jesus. Also, everything will work out according to God's plans. He has a plan. He has a purpose and it's not our plan or our purpose Praise God, because we have a tendency to make mistakes a lot, don't we? Also, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It cannot be taken away. We cannot be taken away from God. We belong to him. We have been sealed. And we have each been given a purpose and hope. And we all need a purpose. And we all have this purpose that God has ordained for us since the beginning of time, whatever he has created you for. So we need to trust the process. So what is our mystery? God knew from the very beginning that the world would have to be saved and that sacrifice was his own son, Jesus, just so that he could pour out all these treasures, all these blessings upon us. Amen? It's an amazing thing. So... 
Never cut yourself short. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. I mean, what amazing treasures you have poured out on each one of us. There are just so many, too many to count. And I am so thankful. Help us to never look at ourselves as being poor, but rich in you. Help us to meditate upon these amazing verses. Help us to uh, draw upon your Holy Spirit to guide, direct, teach, instruct, remind us. I thank you that you are there just waiting for us to ask. Help us to ask, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.